You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. There are opportunities to worship God everywhere, but they might be easily missed. Most often we see images of worship being done behind microphones and on stages. While that kind of worship is good, it isn't the only kind of worship we need. The book of Psalms helps us find our own unique anthems. The Psalms leads us to worship God with all of creation, remembering what God has done, even when it's difficult, because we are God's family. As we explore this beautiful collection of ancient Hebrew poetry, we'll discover that worship is much bigger than we ever imagined. What are you a big critic of? Some of you, when it comes to coffee, you're pretty particular and and you have strong opinions about that. And when you taste bad coffee, you can definitely tell us about it. Maybe it's food. You can taste something. This has too much salt or doesn't have enough salt or it doesn't have enough flavor. Maybe it's music. You're highly critical of music and you have strong opinions about this. Maybe it's books. Uh, you, you, when you read books, you have strong opinions where, uh, about this author or about how he wrote this book or how she wrote this book. Maybe it's sports. Now, some of you can be pretty critical when it comes to sports. Coach, what were you thinking when you called that play? Why didn't the player make that play? I mean, all he had to do was catch the ball. And sometimes we're pretty critical when it comes to our spouses. We, we can point out everything that's wrong with them. When it comes to politics, we can be pretty critical. We can point out everything that's wrong with the other side and why they're going to cause the destruction of this nation. Some of us, we can be pretty critical of ourselves at times, right? Sometimes we're our biggest critic. We've been in a series called Anthem, and we've been talking about worship, and we've been studying through the book of Psalms and looking at some of the different Psalms, and and we've said that worship is a lifestyle. It's not something that we just do on Sunday mornings. It's not just singing a few songs. But it's what we devote our life to is, is being in God's presence and pouring our heart out to Him. And there's private worship, there's, pri- there's worship that we do just with God and, and, and ourselves, but there's also corporate worship, and that's where we come together as a church family, and, and we worship. We can do that in small groups, we can do that in larger groups. And what I found is sometimes when we're in corporate worship, it's really easy to be a critic. We can be critical pretty easy. We can come in with our grading pen, and we can go through, and we can say, well, the sermon... Uh, it was uh, maybe a D plus. I-, I wish that he would preach something that was a little bit more uplifting. I-, I-, I wish that he had more hair on his head, or I wish that he wore a bow tie, and I wish he looked this way, or, or the songs. I- I'll give that a B plus. We sang most of the songs that I like, but there was a few that we didn't, so I'll give that a B plus. Uh, or, you know, um, the-, the-, the chairs and-, and the temperature. I wish we had lazy boys in here, and 
and I, and I wish that they would just set the temperature exactly how I want it to be. And so I'll, I'll, I'll give that, I, I don't know, a C minus, I don't know, C plus. Oh, communion. Uh, let me give that a, give, give that a B plus. I, I wish the bread tasted a little bit better. And we can go throughout the whole service and we can just have our grading pens and we can kind of put an A, B, C, D, or F. And in the process of doing that, we're so busy grading that we, out, we actually miss out on really worshiping God. We miss out on worshiping God because we're so looking for something wrong that we actually miss God's presence. Some of you, maybe you're not a critic, but maybe you're more of a consumer. Maybe you have strong opinions about how things should be. Maybe you think the service is all about your preferences and all, all about your wants. Well, I, I wish that you would only preach exegetical sermons because that's what I enjoy. And I wish that you would always dress up in a suit and tie because that's how I think a preacher should look. Or I wish that you would sing songs off of K-Love because those are the songs that I hear during the week. Or I wish you would sing more hymns because those are the songs that I grew up with. Or, or I wish that you didn't have drums. Or, or I wish you had more, I wish you'd play songs with more drums. Or I wish the bass was louder. Or I wish the bass was softer. I, I wish there was more, more pew chairs. Or I wish there was more tables. Or I, I have a preference for one of, uh, or the other. Uh, I, I wish that you made church exactly how I want it to be. Well, we all have preferences, right? I have preferences. You have preferences. We all have things that we like and don't like. But what if worship isn't about us? What if worship isn't about us? Francis Chan said this. He said a random churchgoer says, I really didn't like worship today. His response is, that's okay, we're not worshiping you. That's okay, we're not worshiping you. And I think that's a great reminder, right? When we come together, whether we're worshiping at home with our family or whether we're worshiping in a building or whether we're worshiping outside, worship is not about us. And I've fall, fallen into this category. Sometimes I've been a critic and sometimes I've been a consumer. But what if we actually began focused on being a participant of worship? What if we began to think about how I can participate in worship? Satan does not want you to be a participant. He wants you worried about chairs and he wants you to be worried about temperature and he wants you to be worried about singing this song or that song. He doesn't want you focused on God. Psalm chapter 33 says this, Let the godly sing for the joy of the Lord. It is fitting for the pure to praise him. Praise the Lord with melodies of the lyre. Make music uh, for him on the ten-string harp. Sing a new song of praise to him. Play skillfully the harp and sing with joy. For the word of the Lord holds true, and we can trust everything he does. What if we as a church, what if we're just so focused on praising God, singing to him, worshiping him through studying scripture, through communion? What if our focus was on that? When you're playing instruments, and I don't play instruments, but I have several family members that do, they practice and they have to focus on what they're playing. Well, what if we, when we came into corporate worship, our sole focus wasn't about all the other little things, but just simply on coming into the presence of God? Have you ever thought, why are you here today? Why are you watching today? Did you come because out of habit? Or did you come because someone encouraged you to do so? 
Or did you come because maybe you're hurting and it was really a rough week and you're looking for something to uplift you, to kind of bring you a spark? Or did you come because you thought there might be the possibility that you might experience God in some capacity? I want you to turn to your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 6. We're going to see someone who encountered God in worship. It takes place in the temple, and, and that's the place that God chose to represent himself, represent his presence on earth at the time. And I love the story because it starts off just like any kind of ordinary worship service. And it's like God just says, Isaiah, I want you to see what happens in heaven when you worship. And Isaiah describes the encounter. It's in the king of U- uh, year that King Uzziah died, which doesn't mean a whole lot to us. But we need to realize that King Uzziah was a really great king. He served for about 53 years in Israel. And Israel did really, really well. And when he died, it brought uncertainty for Israel. Not only that, but King Uzziah was Isaiah's friend. They, uh, Isaiah, uh, king Uzziah went to Isaiah for advice. And so I, I, I can't help but think Isaiah was grieving. And it was a very uncertain time. And so Isaiah comes and to worship, and he has this encounter. And Isaiah, it, it reads this way, it was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He has this encounter with the Lord. And he was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of the road filled his temple, attending him were mighty, or mighty angelic beings, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew, and they were calling out to each other, Holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Catch this. Why we worship, why we worship, worship is going on in heaven. They're worshiping as we worship, worship is going on in heaven. And catch this, they were calling out to each other. And why we worship together, whether at home, outside, inside, it doesn't matter. While, while we're worshiping, it can actually encourage others. We're reminding each other that we have a God that's holy. Holy, holy, holy. And the whole earth is filled with his glory. And so while worship is for God and we're pouring our hearts out to him, our worship actually encourages others. If you continue reading, starting at verse 4, it says, Their voices shook the temple to its foundation, and the entire building was filled with smoke. And then I said it all over, I am doomed, I'm a sinful man, I'm, I have filthy lips. I live among people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. And then when the angelic beings flew uh, to me with a burning coal, and he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs, and he touched my lips with it. And he said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed. Your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom shall I send as a messenger to these people? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. As you reflect on these three verses, let me give you Three quick points. Once we've seen the king, once we come into the presence of God, we can't help but worship. We can't help but worship. Once we come and we actually have an encounter with the king, we're not going to be a critic. 
Once we have an encounter with the king, we're not going to be a consumer. We're going to come and we're going to pour our hearts to God in prayer and in song. And as we study scripture, all of these things don't matter. Being a critic, being a consumer doesn't matter. We get an opportunity at worship to be in the presence of the God who made this earth. And so point number one, once we've seen the king, we can't help but worship. Secondly, once we've seen the king, we go or we confess our sin. Once we get into God's presence, we can't help but see our sinfulness. We realize he's holy and we're not. Isaiah has this encounter and he he realizes, whoa, I don't deserve to be here. And when I'm praising God, I, I see this reflection of all the places that I've fallen short. But if you look at verse 7, when we meet the king, we realize that God has removed that guilt from us. That we are forgiven. When we come to him and we confess our sin, we say, God, I'm a sinful individual. I'm a messy individual. And God says, you know what? Jesus died on the cross for you. He died on the cross for you. He loves you. He wants the best for you. He he died on the cross for you so that you could have eternal life. He showed you grace and he showed you compassion. And so when we worship, we see our sinfulness, but we also realize that there's grace. And then lastly, once we've seen the king, we go where he sends us. We can't help but want to serve. We can't help but want to participate. We can't help but want to be a light to other people. You know, one of the people that I've seen lately that God has just been transforming his life is a guy named Adam Carver. And Adam's been meeting God. And, and Adam's one of the first people to raise his hand. If we need somewhere, if we have a, an area that needs help, Adam says, hey, I'll do it. Adam, when we were doing the drive-in service uh, for the last year, Adam was one of the first people to volunteer. Hey, let me help you take down the tents. Let me help move things in. And, and because Adam keeps on worshiping God. He can't help but want to serve God. And I think that's us as well. When we worship God, we say, God, you put me wherever you need me. Help me serve out into the community. Help me serve food at West Avenue Compassion. Help me volunteer acts of hope. Help me uh, help kids at Ransom Life. Help me drive my car with Mills and Wheels. Help me start a life group in my neighborhood. Help me, Lord. Send me wherever you need me to serve you, whether that be on this campus or out in our community. So I just want to to challenge you as we get or as we have corporate worship. What are you doing to prepare for corporate worship each Sunday? What are you doing? Ask yourself, do you have the right heart as you walk in here or as you're watching this? Ask yourself, Am I a critic? Am I a consumer? Or am I a participant? Am I ready to participate and meet God? Jesus, thank you for your gift of dying on the cross and giving us eternal life. Thank you for the opportunity that we get to come into your presence, even though we don't deserve it. We're sinners. We've messed up. But you allowed us. You allowed us to be in your presence. You forgave us of our sin. And so as we remember you, as we remember what you've done for us, I pray that uh, you would help us as we commune with you. In your precious holy name, amen.
I, I want to give you three next steps uh, as your, uh, for, for this week. Uh, first of all, I want to ask you, will you take the zero criticism challenge? For the next month, I, I want you to, especially as you come to worship, I want to challenge you not to criticize everything. Not to criticize everything. And not only when it comes to corporate worship, but I also want you to try to apply this in different areas of your life. When it comes to your job, when, when you feel like criticizing it, don't do it. Zero criticism for one month. When it comes to your kids, instead of criticizing them, say uplifting work. Don't criticize your kids. When it comes to your spouse, don't criticize them. For one month, let's try not to criticize other people and criticize the things that's going on. Instead, when you're thinking about being critical, instead say something that you're thankful for. Second next step, prepare your heart for corporate worship. That means maybe going to bed early or earlier. That means maybe waking up a little bit earlier and, and reading some, a passage of scripture and saying, God, prepare me as I move into corporate worship. And thirdly, be thankful that we get to worship together, whether in our homes or outside or together in our buildings. Let's not take this for granted. 